asked the question, we've, you know, worn the bracelets, you know, I think it's safe to say that everybody knows what, or in this country, knows what WWJD means. But who can tell me, and does anybody know, how that phrase originated? Who, when, where, who, who can tell me that? Anybody? All right. In 1896, going back a few years, a pastor from Topeka, Kansas, wrote a little book that went to sell over 30 million copies. And the book actually originated from a Sunday evening sermon series that, that he did, and he would tell stories in, that, in this sermon series. And, and um, um, the book is called In His Steps by Charles Sheldon. And in one of the stories which Pastor Sheldon told, he asked this question, what would Jesus do? And that's where the phrase originated. And here we are over 100 years later, and that question has become a catchphrase that's been repeated, it's been marketed, it's been put on bracelets, on shirts, on on refrigerator magnets, you name it. If there's any way to market it, it's been marketed. Who knows what? Well, today we're going to start a new series with a slight twist to that popular phrase. Instead of what would Jesus do, we're going to look at what would Jesus undo. What would he undo? As you look at the New Testament and you look at Jesus in the New Testament, what are those things that he would undo? What are those things that broke his heart? Those things that he still looks at today and which still break his heart. I mean, the list we could come up with is seemingly endless. So we're going to narrow it down a little bit even more and focus on those things that, not just that he sees when he looks at the world and says, you know, you know, and, 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 you know we look at the world and say, okay, what breaks his heart in the world? But we're going to look at the church. We're going to look at things in the church that break Jesus' heart, things that he would undo. We're going to start this morning with the first one, and we're going to talk about indifference. Indifference. Now, you may or may not care to hear the definition of the word, but here it is. Indifference is a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. Think about what I just said, and it'll catch you maybe at lunchtime. Um, (laughs) In chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, Jesus comes and he dictates seven letters to the Apostle John. Gives seven letters and he says, okay, I I want you to take these letters, I want you to send them to these seven churches. Okay, one of those churches was a letter to the, uh, or one of those letters went to a church in the city of Laodicea. Now, Laodicea is a city, uh, it it was a city located in modern-day Turkey, and it was a very wealthy city. And prior to this, about 35 years prior to this, it had been destroyed by an earthquake. And then it was rebuilt, and it was rebuilt strong. I mean, it was, they, they really did a good job rebuilding it. During the Roman period here, it was a wealthy city. Very wealthy. There were stadiums, there were theaters, there were lavish public baths, which I don't know how they got into that, but there were lavish public baths. There was even a medical school there. And when the city was rebuilt, 
uh, after being destroyed by this earthquake, I mean, they went all out. It was beautiful. And you've, if, uh, modern day comparison, have you, anybody, has anybody ever seen pictures of Dubai? Pictures of Dubai? We've got a screensaver at home that, that you know, it, it shows different scenery and different places around the world. And, and there's a nighttime and, and daytime, actually, shots of Dubai. And it's a beautiful city of opulent wealth. Uh, those of you know that know our uh, those of you that know our youngest son John and, and his wife Riley they live in Kenya. Well, they were home the last time. On their flight back, they had an overnight stay in Dubai, and they texted us, you know, these pictures looking out over the city uh, at nighttime. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, you know, it, it's just a picture of wealth, and you know, just kind of kind of think of that. In fact, here's the thing about their wealth. When, when the city was destroyed after the earthquake and then it was rebuilt, they turned down an offer from the emperor to help them rebuild. Can you imagine that? I mean, they wanted to rebuild it themselves. They wanted to restore it by, from their own means. It would be like a city that's, you know, picture a city in the United States that's devastated by a hurricane and then the city telling FEMA, nope, we don't need your help, we got this. We're going to do this ourselves and then do it in, you know, stellar fashion. Beautiful. All the, all, all the things. It's one of the wealthiest cities in the world, this Laodicea. It was, it was famous as a manufacturing center for clothing. You know, clothing, it was made from the sheep in the area, which were known for a particularly soft, kind of a violet, black, glossy wool. And they took great pride in that. It was also famous for its medical school, which, uh, out of which came an um, uh, ointment, a famous ointment for both their, their ears and their eyes, people's ears and eyes. And yet, in spite of all its wealth and opulence, there was one thing about it. Its water quality was very poor, had poor water source. You know, you've got Hierapolis, you know, it's a city about seven miles to the north uh, where there's hot springs. You know, wonderful hot springs seen with medicinal qualities and, and all of that and, and, and that. And then about 10 miles to the south, you've got the city of Colossae. Uh, and, you know, there you've got uh, a water that was very cool and very refreshing, you know, the, bo- both wonderful water sources. Laodicea had to pipe in water from those two places, and by the time it reached them, it was lukewarm. Who likes lukewarm water? You know, hot springs, if you've ever been in a hot springs, it's wonderful. Or, or, or in the summertime, you know, you take an ice-cold drink, you know, cool, refreshing water. Or Who likes lukewarm water? You know, and, and, but by the time that they piped it in from those cities, that's what it was like. So, so that's a picture of Laodicea, a wealthy, self-sufficient, self-reliant center of commerce with poor water. Listen to what Jesus says to them. Revelation 3. I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. He says they're like lukewarm water, good for nothing. In doing this, he's confronting their spiritual indifference. 
And he tells them in no uncertain terms that because of their spiritual indifference, he's going to spit them out of his mouth. And the literal translation is he's going to vomit them out of his mouth. He's saying their spiritual indifference is more than something that breaks his heart. It's something that turns his stomach. And that's a sobering thought after all that Jesus has done for us that anyone would be indifferent toward him. Treat him as, oh, yeah, really didn't matter. And remember, this is the church that he's talking to. He's talking, this letter was written not just to the whole city, but the church in Laodicea. Now, question is, after we think about all that Jesus has done for us, and how much his love for, is for us. I mean, how, how awesome his love for us and the, the sacrifice he made for us, all that he's done. How do we get that to that place where we kind of just turn indifferent, spiritually lukewarm to him? Let me give you two things, two causes of spiritual indifference. The first is when we start living with a sense of self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. I got this. I'm all I need. I'm good. Got things under control. That's all I need. Remember, this is the city that said to the Roman emperor, said, we don't need your help to rebuild. We got this ourselves. And then Jesus says in verse 17, he says, you say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Known for its wealth. And yet Jesus says they're wretched and miserable and poor. Known for their medical school with its, you know, uh, famous eye salve and ear salve. And yet he says they're so blind they can't see their true condition. There's possibly no one that's harder to reach for the kingdom of God than the self-sufficient person who is blind to their own need. That's why Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And I know people have said, well, the eye of the needle was this particularly tight place where a camel would have to kneel down and and go through that no that's man trying to make something up that's not what it was he's talking about a literal eye of a you ever try to thread a needle it's getting harder as i get older you know that's what he's talking about and that's why when he said that the disciples you know say well then how can anybody get saved and god said well with man it's impossible but with God, all things are possible. But that's why Jesus said that, because the person that's blind to their own need, the self-sufficient person, their attitude is like, yeah, I'm doing okay. I don't really need that stuff. That's that, that, that God stuff, that Jesus stuff, that's just a crutch. I don't, I don't need that. Same idea when Jesus said to the Simon the Pharisee, said, whoever's forgiven little, loves little. See, when we fail to see the depth of our own need, then, then, then we, we tend to become self-sufficient. We, we begin to think that we don't really need God or we don't realize how much we need 
Jesus. We, are, we think, you know, I've got enough of Jesus. I'm going to get by okay. I don't need to go overboard. I don't need, you know, all that church stuff. I'm fine, you know, with, with what I have. That's when we know that spiritual indifference has begun to set in. Second cause of spiritual indifference is simply the distractions of this world. And there's a lot of them. We get so distracted by life. We get distracted by the things around us. Could be anything from bills we have to pay to daily activities to, you know, saving the whales or whatever it is, you know. The distractions of this world. Problem is we just get so busy. And David talked about this. We just get so busy. (laughs) Hi there. That's my grandson. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus told a parable about a farmer who began throwing seed out in the field. He's casting seed all over the place, you know. And he's throwing it out all over the field, the field and some of it, you know, lands on hardened soil, and, and some of it lands on shallow soil. Some of it fell on soil and began to sprout and began to take root and Pretty soon, the thorns and weeds began to choke it out. And what he's speaking about here is he's speaking of the, uh, uh, of the Word of God beginning to take root in a person's life. But after it begins to take root, other things came in and began to crowd it out. He says that, you know what, it started to take root, and Mark 4.19 says, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. In other words, life happens. Life happens, and it happens to all of us. You know, bills come due and have to be paid. Other things happen. You know, it's, it's not that I make a conscious decision that, you know, I'm just tired of this Jesus stuff, and I'm not going to pursue it anymore. I'm not going to pursue the things of God anymore. I've got a life. I don't suddenly say, I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to go to church anymore. It's just that life happens, and I begin to get pulled away. You know, there's bills to pay, or so I start working Saturday night to pick up some, some voluntary overtime, and, or I'm too tired to get out of bed on Sunday morning, or you know, I, I start to pick up extra hours on Sundays, or you know, I was crazy busy this week, and you know, I just need some time to myself, and I haven't read my Bible in a couple of days because I'm, I'm too tired to keep my eyes open. That game went a lot later than I expected, so I'll just read it tomorrow. Had a lot of bills to pay this week, you know, unexpected car repair. By the time I get all that paid, I don't have many money left over for tithe and all this. The distractions of this world come creeping in and begin to occupy my mind and, 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 and push the things of God to the side. And then soon, God is just pushed out altogether. Drew, Drew, bye. <laughs> a distraction yes 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 i mean you know not 
Kids are never a distraction. <laughs> you know, <laughs> distractions, you know, of this world creep in and they begin to occupy our mind, push things of God out. And, and you know, it's not consciously. That's the thing we need to see. It's not consciously. And it happens little by little. Our attention gets pulled in other directions and God gets left out, choked out. I mean, I've seen it over and over and so have you. But here's the thing. Every one of us is vulnerable to it because every one of us gets hit by the things in life. Car breaking down, refrigerator going out, kids get sick. We've all been there. Before long, the, things, the thing that we never saw happening to us begins to happen. And our passion for God begins to fade. And we become indifferent to the things of God. And it's so subtle. So how can we tell if we're living with lukewarm indifference? What are, what are some indicators? I want to give you, quickly give you six indicators that, that maybe Luke, we're living with lukewarm indifference or, or that, that, that spiritual indifference is beginning to creep in. The first thing is we're concerned more about pr- with, with impressing people than living for God. I mean, most of us want people to like us, right? Does anybody here really want everybody to hate them? No. Most of us want, and, and there, there's nothing wrong with wanting people to like us unless that becomes more important than living for God and our goal becomes impressing the people around us. Then we've got things backwards because what really matters is what God thinks, not people. You know, Jesus, it's interesting, Jesus said, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. You know, if everyone is speaking well of you, check yourself. Something may be off there. Second, we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. In other words, focus becomes what I have rather than what I'm called to do and to be. We're so focused on the here and now that we forget about the fact that we're only here for a short time. And then we have an existence beyond this for eternity. And if we spent all our focus on this, how are we going to be prepared for that? Now, third thing, we rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. Rationalize sin, ah, it's not a really big deal, everybody does it, or it's just a part of our culture now, you know? Or that may be what the Bible says, but hey, this is the 21st century, it doesn't really apply to us today. We're more advanced than that now. We rationalize the sin that we're living in. Fourth, we believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. Well, we believe in him, but we rarely share our faith. We're not passionate about it. Let me ask you something. Do you have something you're passionate about? Anything? I love archery. Those of you who've been around know that. I love to shoot archery, traditional archery. None of this compound stuff with the willies, the willies, the, the pulleys and the, 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 you know, the sights and the, all that. I mean, just, you know, longbow or recurve. You know, I love to shoot. I love everything about it. I love the, the, the my, my bow is beautiful. 
I mean, to look at it, it's, it, it, it's not some old thing, it's beautiful. And, and you know, I love pulling the, the arrow back, I love lining it up, I love the, the releasing it, I love the sound of it flying through the air, I love the sound of it uh, and the sight of it flying through the air, I love the sound of it when it hits, you know, dead center in the target, or really anywhere on the target, you know, for me, you know, just that sound, I love that. I love reading catalogs, looking at catalogs. I love stories, you know, Robin Hood movies, anything like that that where there's archery involved. I love it. I'm passionate about archery. I have been since I was a little kid, and I'd go down in my basement, take those little toy arrows with the suction cup, take the suction cup off, sharpen them in a pencil sharpener, and then shoot them at boxes, <laughs> and shoot them at boxes in my basement, you know. Uh, I, I, I've loved it ever, ever since then. I'm passionate about it. I liked it. We were out shooting yesterday. Had a great time. I love archery. I'm passionate. I want to share it with everyone I know. When you're passionate about something, you want to share it. When it comes to Jesus, I don't want a faith that just believes. I want to be, I want a passionate faith. I want a faith that's passionate about Jesus. I want to share him with people. I want to look for ways to build a relationship with people and look for, for, for uh, 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 ways to share him. And that is totally out of my comfort zone because I tend to be a quiet person. But I want to find ways to share him because I want other people to know him. You know, when Jesus said, if we'll acknowledge him before people, then he's going to acknowledge us before the Father. Fifth indicator that we're living in spiritual indifference is we only turn to God when we need him. Kind of treat him like a lucky charm or like a, 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 a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Well, all of a sudden, we're in trouble. You know, God, my car broke down. What are you going to do? God, my kids are sick. What are you going to do? Just lost my job, Lord. What are you going to do? I mean, it's good to take those things to God. But if that's the only time we get serious about our faith, spiritual indifference has crept in. See, God's not interested. He, God, God wants us to, to pursue a relationship with him daily. He knows when we're playing games. He knows when we're just like, you know, all of a sudden we get serious because we have a need, and we need God. And, and then we say, God, why don't you answer this? Really? Now, fact is, God is so good, sometimes he does. Just out of his own goodness, and he goes, here's Dave again. He's been quiet for six months, but all of a sudden, you know, something happens, and he needs me, so. But you know, I love him so much. I'm just going to show him how much I love him and do this, even though he's ignored me for six months. Sixth indication that we may be living in a state of lukewarm indifference is when we look at our lives and realize that we're really not much different from the world. Watch the same movies. There's no difference in the language we use. No difference in the way we spend our money. Values are no different than people around us that don't know Jesus. In other words, you set a side-by-side with somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, 
set a side by side with them, and then you go to someone, hey, which one, which one of these two is a believer, is a follower of Jesus? And they look and they say, I don't know. Which one is? I can't tell. I'm not saying we should be obnoxious. You know, uh, I, 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 I worked with a guy when I was in, uh, used to sell uh, clothing in retail, and I'll never forget, um, one of the guys that was in the suit department would always come in and always talk about this customer that, that came in all the time. He was one of these guys, you know, that, that, that you walk in and everything, praise the Lord, praise God, praise God, oh, glory, you know, praise God, praise, always that. But that's all there ever was to his life. And the suit salesman, the friend of mine, Ron, he, you know, he's like, oh, really, enough of that, you know? It's the things in our lives that, that people want to see. Do we have an evidence with the things? You know, the thing is, when we become indifferent about God, something else happens. We tend to become indifferent about people that he loves. If we can look at somebody that society has pushed away and not have a twinge in our heart, not have our heart break, then there's something wrong. Something is, I'm not saying we have to have answers, but we ought to be at least asking a question. God, I know you love this person, and I, I see this situation there, and is there any way that you want me to use, you want to use me in their life? And I'm appalled at the way that our media is speaking about so often about people that Jesus died for, people that he loves, and yet we're being taught to fear them and to push them out. When we become indifferent toward Jesus and the things of God, we become indifferent toward the people that he loves. I've gotten off track. Probably got myself in trouble, but that's okay. I really don't care. Um, so those six things are indicators of that something is wrong. Somewhere along the line, our passion has cooled. It's not anything we tended, intended to happen, but somehow it did. And you see, here's what we need to understand about spiritual indifference. When Jesus refers to, uh, 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 in the book of Revelation, refers to being lukewarm, it doesn't just break Jesus' heart, it turns his stomach But it's not because he doesn't like us anymore. In fact, it's because he loves us with a passion and he so desires for us to have that same passion for him. 
See, a few weeks ago we talked about the devil being a liar, and you know, the, and and the thing is, he, he the devil is a liar, and he tells us that that well, you know, this just means that God doesn't love you anymore. It, it, he just doesn't love you anymore. Maybe he did at one point, but that's long gone. You've blown it. That's a lie, because nothing could ever cause God to stop loving us. So, so what what, what do we do? How do we reignite a passion? If we've lost that passion, if we've become indifferent, how do we reignite the passion for Jesus that we once had, that spiritual fire? Or maybe you are just in a place where you're living passionately for Jesus. You're going all out or, or you're all in for him. And you're, you know, you're living passionately for him. You're red hot for him. You're pursuing him. You're on fire for him. How do you keep indifference from slowly creeping in? Because let's face it, life happens to all of us, and we all go through seasons where we begin to our, our, our spiritual fervor begins to wane. We all go through seasons like that. How do we prevent that, or how do we recover from that? You know, the obvious answers are things we can all list off, like you know, turn from things that are hindering your walk in Jesus, and you know, do things like you know, read the Bible and and you know, worship with other believers every week, and you know, share your faith with people around you, pray for them, you know, not just you know, say, oh yeah, I'll be praying for you, but pray for them in the moment, you know, in the moment, you know, it's oh, you're having a rough time, can I pray for you right now, Jesus? I just ask you to come in the power of your kingdom and touch my brother or sister and, and help them through this. I mean, you know, in the moment, there's something to be said about that. You know, or, or, or you know, be, be, be consistent in tithing. All those things are good. Do all of those things, but there's one more thing. It'll help you regain spiritual fervor and fire, and it'll help you to not lose it. And that is every day. Every day, look to do something that requires faith. Something that requires faith. This will keep your faith fresh because it requires every day watching to see what the Father is doing around you. It requires turning the, tuning out the static that fills your life and listening to His voice. It's something that those that are in our School for Kingdom Ministry, the students are learning to do, to, 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 to listen and to hear what God is saying. And, and, and they're finding out it's exciting. It's exciting to live like that. It's exciting to, to live on the edge where you're, you know, you, you know God, you're, you're always looking for what God is doing, always expecting Him to do something. You know? One of the best safeguards against a passionless faith is to keep it fresh, to stay in, stay in the adventure. Keep it fresh. So look for something every day that requires faith. Speak up when you would rather stay silent. Talk to somebody you've been building a relationship about Jesus. You've been building a relationship with him. It's got to that place. You've got some, some uh, uh, credibility in your life. Okay, bring up the topic of Jesus. Begin to share him. Bring up the topic of faith. Or, or maybe open up to another believer about something you've been struggling with. I could never do that. What will they think? They'll think you trust him enough to share your heart. And they'll love you enough to help you through it. Pray for a person you know, you know at work who you know is sick. You do something that you believe God is prompting you to do and that if he doesn't show up, you're going to risk looking foolish. But that's scary. Yeah, but it's fun. It's fun afterwards when you do that. It's like, man, God, you showed up. Thank you. That was so cool. I want to go do it again. 
Get involved with ministry to the poor, the outcasts, the marginalized. Maybe buy a meal for someone who's, who's homeless. And don't just hear. Here's a bag of food. Talk to them and try to build a relationship. Find out their story because they have a story and their story matters to God. See, spiritual indifference is something that you and I can change in our lives. If you felt through this that, that you know, there, there, maybe there's been a twinge of, ooh, this thing really struck me, this part really struck a chord in my life, and I, I wish he hadn't said that, you know, or, 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 or gone down that road or whatever. It's something that you can change in your life. Two things you need to know. If you felt that, that, that twinge here, one is the reason you feel that is because God loves you more than you know. And two, you don't have to stay where you are. Listen to what Jesus said to the church at Laodicea. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. And then he gave them an invitation the same invitation that he gives to every one of us. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. He's speaking to the church. We like to use that verse evangelistically, but he's speaking to the church and he's saying, I stand at the door and knock. Will you open it up? The invitation is to leave indifference behind. Leave lukewarmness behind and engage in intimate relationship with Jesus. What's your response? Think about it while the worship team comes back up. What is it during this message that maybe spoke to your heart? Has indifference begun to creep in? Series is what would Jesus undo? He would undo indifference. He said to Laodicea, I wish you were hot or cold, one or the other. Make up your mind, one or the other. But that lukewarm water, going to spit it out. Maybe that's not where you are. Maybe, maybe, you know, I know some of you are just red hot for Jesus right now. You're going through a time when everything is like you, you just can't get enough of him. And that's good. Safeguard that. Hang on to that. Watch for those things to begin to creep in. Watch for life to begin to happen and to creep in. I want us to pray. And I invite you, if you've been, if you've sensed any kind of spiritual indifference creeping in, or maybe you didn't sense it, but you realize 
Yeah, I think maybe some of it, I think it has begun to. We're just going to confess it right now and hand it to him. So I invite you to pray with me right now. Jesus, I confess my indifference and I repent of it. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Show me what you want me to see. Let my feet take me where you want me to go. Use my hands to serve where you want me to serve. Fill my heart with love for you and for those you love. Amen. Amen. Now, Father, I just ask that you would begin to pour your spirit into our hearts. open our eyes show us those things you want us to see Lord show us your love show us your passion for us and draw our hearts to you just draw our hearts to you Lord the only reason we love is because you first loved us so let, may we respond with the same love with which you loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.